Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, my goal is uh, the first 14, 13 verses tonight, but honestly, I'm kind of leaving that open just to see uh, where we end up. And so anyway, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, sorry, 1 to 13, uh, we are continuing this series on You Are Gifted. Uh, And if you've been listening along or following along, or you've been here the past two weeks, we have talked about this idea or this uh, challenge that each and every one of us, uh, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether you were uh, four years old uh, at uh, Olympians or Gopher Buddies or Awanas, whatever you went to, or you were at an event or you were with your parents uh, on Easter morning or whatever, whether it was last week, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, um, you have what the Bible calls a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift, something that at that exact moment that you placed your faith and trust in Christ, God gave you something. He gave you something that you could not do beforehand. He, he made you better at a particular thing, a specific thing, uh, for a purpose. And, and every time we talk about spiritual gifts, there's always a group of people who don't believe that they have one, or they don't believe, maybe they've tried, or maybe they, they thought about it, you took a spiritual gifts test, and you don't have um, the mindset of thinking, ma'am, I don't have a spiritual gift, it's not for me. And so we said, hey, for seven weeks, we're going to talk about going from a consumer to a producer, that as you consume uh, the Bible, and as you consume uh, God's Word, and as you should consume, you should be taking in, you don't just take it in and become a, a spiritual swamp. You just take it in and you just kind of stink and there's no, no output. You just kind of consume everything. And you, we said that you would not just consume and critique, but rather you would consume to produce. That God has given you a spiritual gift if you are in Christ. And how many out there, and just by show of hands, uh, let's just be honest here tonight. You are a LeBron James fan. Raise your hand. Wow, you guys hate him. Okay, a few of us. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how many of you, you're, you're more of MJ. You watched the last dance over the, and you were like, I'm more MJ. Okay, either way, uh, neither here nor there, you will come. Once you get saved, you start to realize LeBron was the best, and he is the best. And you start to see that. And here's, here's what happens, uh, even uh, not in basketball, but what happens to our, our own selves. There's always this point where when you were younger, you would watch maybe LeBron James. You'd watch uh, some videos. For me, it was always like J.J. Redick from Duke, and he was just dropping threes left and right, and I was like, I want to do that. I want to, and I get out there and just airball and airball, and as I would watch, I would compare, and I'd be like, man, I'll never be that good. I shouldn't even play, you know, and then there was always this weird feeling. Then I went to Mogador, and there was like six of us. It was like, we need you to play. Like, you got to play. You can dribble, play. So anyway, but there's this thing in the church, or even in our church or in our groups, that's called uh, just the LeBron James, I'd like to call it the LeBron James comparison principle, where there are people who would say, well, I'm not really good or I'm not that good, so I might as well not do anything. I might as well not do anything. I, I maybe have a gift, but I don't have a gift that that's strong or maybe a gift that's really public, so guess what I'm going to do? I'm just going to do nothing. I'm, I'm just going to do nothing. And so what happens is uh, for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life, guess what you do? You get really good at listening to sermons. 
You get really good at attending small groups. You get, well, I'm going to knock this over. You get really good at um, just taking in but not necessarily producing. Or um, you're not really sure what the gift is, so you're just like, hey, you know what? It's just not for me. The whole um, doing things for God, I'll just kind of take in, and me, me producing is rather just me attending, just me attending. And I think, I think that God has something way, way more for you. He has something way better for you. He has something that, that beyond what you could think, beyond what you could think of what God has for you, he has a plan and a purpose for you. And his purpose for you is actually pretty incredible if you, if you and I would just step into it. Uh, this uh, verse in Isaiah 6, we'll start out tonight, says this, and I heard the voice, the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Every night when we've started off the, the, the topic and moving forward, before we even jump into the logistics, uh, we're going to talk about prophecy a little bit and speaking in tongues and all this stuff, before we even get into that, uh, every single one of us, and even in your own mind, in your own heart, that you would say, God, I am ready to find out what you want me to do. I'm ready to listen. And I'm laying my yes down now. Because how would God even tell you what he has for you before if you're just, just kind of, as Eric talked a little bit last week, maybe we're a little too busy or it's kind of on the back burner and it's never something that we fully step into. That all of us would have the, hey, God, here I am. I've, I don't know nothing about spiritual gifts. I don't know nothing about talents. I don't know nothing about my next year, five years, or three months. I don't know anything, but God, I'm asking that you would speak to me. And before he is willing to tell us, we would say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something, God. And so that is the, the outset of tonight. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, we're going to jump into this. The first thing that I want to say is certain things only come from the Spirit. Certain things only come from the Spirit. It says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So let me just stop right there. In 1 Corinthians, in this letter to this church, you have some uber, supernatural, gifted, gifting type things going on. I mean, these people, these Christians, followers of Christ, have spiritual gifts that would just put us in the dust. I mean, they are doing some crazy, crazy things. But the problem is, the problem is, they don't really listen on how they should work. But they're just really gifted. Have you ever played with someone in a sport or a, a team who was like really good, but they couldn't be good because they didn't listen? Like it was that one guy on the football team, he was naturally good, naturally strong, but he just didn't listen. And the one girl on the basketball team, it was like she could be really good if she could play with a team, but she can't play with a team. She could be all state, but she can't play. So anyway, that's kind of the context. He says, you know when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. I got, I'm excited to talk about that. Therefore, I want, you to, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So certain things only come from the Spirit. And mute idols, really what it means is dumb idols or, or dumb objects. He says, before you followed after Christ, you gave yourself or you committed yourself to really dumb things that did not bring what... What, what you find in Christ. 
So uh, uh, for them, they would have what would be called in this context the fertility god. That if someone couldn't get pregnant, what they would do is they would go to this fertility god, they would offer sacrifices and believe that that god would help them get pregnant. And then they would have a happiness god or a work god or a future god. And they would go and offer these sacrifices and worship these idols to, to get those things from the idol. And so once in Corinth, once they would get saved and trust Christ, they would still follow Jesus, still follow Jesus, but they found themselves going back to these dumb, mute idols that did not give them what they promised to give. And he says, why are you going back to the things, worshiping the things that don't satisfy, and you're asking it to satisfy? Don't do that. Certain things only, only come from the Spirit. And he says this idea, um, no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And all that idea means is this. That if you are following someone or something and it is leading you away from Jesus, it is not from God. It's only, only from God. If you're kind of wondering if the relationship is from God, the question is, does it lead you closer to Jesus? If, if the career choice uh, is pulling you further away from your walk with Christ, it's probably not from God or what God has for you. If the friends you have, if the friends you have pull you further away from following after Christ, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to wonder. You need to say, man, maybe this isn't from God. Because in, in this day, there'd be false teachers who would say, Jesus is awesome, but you need to have this other God. You need to have something else that would, that would satisfy. And it says in 1 John uh, 4, 1, it says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. And so uh, the, the way that you and I would test the spirit or to test something in their day would say, they put it up, the, put it up against the grid of if that helped or hindered what Jesus did on the cross of Jesus Christ. Does this idea or does this concept help me in my relationship with Christ or does it not? Certain things only come from the Spirit. And if it is from the Spirit, it draws you closer to Jesus. It says in John 14 or John 16 that the Spirit's job, his number one game, I mean his, his nine, I don't say nine to five, his 24, seven, 365, what the Spirit is doing every day, he is glorifying Jesus. We want to talk about spiritual gifts and how the Spirit uh, is going to uh, give us spiritual gifts. It brings us closer to Jesus. If a spiritual gift doesn't draw you closer to Jesus, it's probably the spiritual gift you're worshiping, not Jesus. Certain things only, only come from the Spirit. He says, test, test the spirits to see whether they're from God. If it's drawing you away from God, it's not from God, right? This is rocket science here tonight. You guys are learning a lot. You're like, one, three, G. If it pulls you away from Jesus, it's, it's, not, it's not from him. Certain things only come from the Spirit. And number two, what you have is good. Um, this is probably, um, we got, yeah, what you have is good. This is probably where I think most of you are going to be like, this is practical. This is helpful. Now, there are variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
There are variety of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God. Just little Bible nerd time. You got the Trinity there, Spirit, Lord, God coming down here at the end, all working together. But the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So he brings up activities. He brings up service. He brings up gifts. He brings up uh, all these ideas, and he says, whatever you have, if, if we're going to talk about uh, Ethan being up here singing a song, belching out goodness of God, if we're going to talk about me sharing the gospel with someone, if we're going to talk about you uh, behind the scenes where no one sees you, if we're going to talk about Jonathan Eckberg, who literally has done more than anyone else I have ever met behind the scenes that no one knows, it's all from God. It's all from God, and it's empowered by God, and it's for good. And some of you would say, whatever gift I have, whatever service I have, whatever activities I have, whatever talents I have, it just doesn't feel good. I don't, I don't, uh, someone's already getting it done. Some, I just was talking to someone two, two days ago and they had said there was a certain uh, ministry that was taking place and they said literally they were short 120 volunteers had did a little uh, stat study and they said 5%, 5% of the people that they needed uh, in the church were actually stepping forward, 5 percent. And the rest of them just kind of stepped back and I was like thinking in my head, why is that the case? Is it because we're too busy? Maybe. Maybe we just don't want to. I mean, that's probably a thing. Yeah, I don't want to. Um, will they pay me? That's a question, right? If I'm going to go down there, will they pay me? And, and maybe, maybe for some of you, you're just like, I don't think I'm going to be that. I don't think I have much to offer. I don't, I don't have much to give. Maybe you think you're kind of embarrassed about it. You're like, I've done, I've done some bad things. I've done some bad stuff before. Maybe right now I'm really not, not killing it. Uh, just talking with a, a man uh, last night, and we were talking about the idea of when he had stopped doing uh, something that was bad and how soon he had jumped into serving God. And we were kind of laughing about the idea, but I was like, hey, I mean, at least you jumped in, right? And this, uh, Jonathan, pull up the next slide for me, and I think that this is probably where some of you are. Gift envy or projection hinders what God has for you and for others. Gift envy or projection. So twofold. The envy, right, that you would compare with someone, and you're like, man, I can't speak like that. I can't, I don't, I don't have that kind of gifting, I don't, I don't have that kind of hospitality gift. I don't have that kind, I mean, honestly, I mean, you don't want me singing, but I'm sitting there, I'm like, I ain't gonna sing anytime. You don't want, I mean, I got, I'm envious. I wanna sing, I wish I could sing. I wish I could play the guitar. You don't want that? I'm envious, I want that. No, what, what is it? You would look at someone else and you would say, I know I can do that. I know I can, but I wish someone else would step up. It's a, you would rather be a spectator, right, than a participant. And I think that that is a lie from the pit of hell that you would believe someone, someone else will just step up. Someone else will do it and can do it. Or because, you're un, because you don't know your spiritual gift, because you're just unaware, you're uninformed, you're like, I don't know. You'll just say, well, I don't think that's really a thing for me. I don't want to put myself out there. What if I embarrass myself? What if I don't do well? What if I let people down? And then there is projection. And gift projection is why I believed gift envy exists. 
projection is that if, if my spiritual gift, just because the way I can categorize this, or, or let's, let's, let's pick on Ethan for tonight. He's a, okay, he can lead worship, or Morgan can lead worship, or Connor, or Jay, any worship leaders here. Um, if they have gift envy, what, they, what gift envy would look like is that because they can do something, they want everyone else to have that type of gift. And so he'd be like, hey, we want you to, to lead in singing tonight. Hey, man, I can't, that's probably not a good idea. No, nah, I think God's called you. I think you can do it. Nope. Like, I mean, we got people to prove it. Like, if you want, I mean, we'll find out. And so, or gift envy would, would be like this. Um, if your gift is not, is not um, sharing your faith, it's evangelism, right? You're just not someone who's going to walk up cold turkey or sit down with someone and be like, all right, tonight's the night. That's not you. And I was going to be like, no, you need to, tonight's is the night. You need to do that. You need to find them. Be like, here, give me your phone. I'll text them to meet you. And I just projected that on you. I was like forcing it on you. I was saying, this is, and that's, and, and here's where the church is, so, it's just, it sucks. I'll be honest. The gift, any public gift, any public gift, teaching, speaking, we'll talk about prophecy here in a minute, any public stage gift ends up being the one that is projected on everyone else. So teaching, we're like, well, you need to teach. Everyone's called to teach. You should teach. You're like, I can't teach. I don't know how. I don't want to. And we're like, well, you should, and it projects onto other people. And the projection part is probably on, on, not on you. That's, that's on us. That you would sit there and think, man, I can't do that, so I'm not doing anything. If I can't sing, if I can't teach, if I can't run a soundboard, I'm in trouble. I got nothing. I don't like having people at my house. I don't like hospitality. I don't like serving. What am I supposed to do? You're like, oh, oh my gosh, now, now what? Now what? And this, um, go, go back to the verse. What you have is good. Whatever God has given you as the manifestation of the Spirit. I think if you want to see the Spirit of God work in your life in a miraculous way, truly empowering type of way, you step into some risk, you step into serving, you step into testing, to trying out, what, God, what have you gifted me in? And you will find out it is good. It is good, and the more you start to do it, the more you will love it the more you'll realize, I don't, I don't hate what God's done in me. I love what he's done in me. It, it, is, it is for good. And number three, God decides what to give and to whom. So, wow, holy rip. Here's what, um, <laughs> before I read that, before I read that, <laughs> that's risky. Um, here's what's going on in this church. And just, just like go, goes on here. Someone will do a gift like we just talked about and they would argue and say, well, I want that gift or I don't want this gift or I would trade. And, and when it talks about mute idols, going to dumb idols, I believe that in the context, if you look at chapter 10, chapter 11, I think that they would go to these dumb mute idol gods and ask for a spiritual gift swap. I do. Now, not a ton of commentaries. You're like, huh? Um, I just, I would say, little conjecture, that they would really approach and be like, man, the gift of tongues is sweet. I want that. The gift of prophecy looks fun. I want that. The gift of, uh, you, you fill in the blank, and they would go and they would swap. And, and I think that that's what's taking place with the mute idols because it's in the same context of that. And so, here's what we, you need to know. God decided what to give and to whom and how much. Eric talked about last week a little bit in 12.3. God decides 
God decides what to give and to whom and how much. That honestly, when I see some people teach the Bible, it makes me want to quit my job. I'm like, they should come to Thrive, man. That was so good. I'm serious. I watch some people share their faith, and I'm like, honestly, I don't even need to do anything anymore. Like, God will use them. It's the LeBron James mentality, right? It's, hey, there's someone who's really good. They can get it done. But how many, how many, well, I don't want to get into the whole basketball illustration because not many of you understand. But anyway, no one-person team has ever won a championship. They just haven't. It's impossible. You look at football teams, besides Tom Brady maybe, but other than that, you look at NBA team, that's just like, ah. uh, one-person teams don't win championships. It can't be done. It can't. I don't care how LeBron James, he's a, he's a monster. He can't win on his own. And churches, churches that try to function as a one-person, one-gift type function, they'll never win. They'll never reach the people God's called them to reach. They'll never function how God has wanted them to function. They'll always be missing. So anyway, let me tackle this. Verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. I'm going to bring all these up, so don't worry about it. The utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. So that's why I think it's talking about the, the swap thing, because he's saying the same God, the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by, the, by one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. We'll talk about the difference. To another, prophecy. To another, the, the ability to distinguish between the spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit. He who, 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 a tongue, right? Uh, Who apportions to each one individually as he will. So that was a tongue twister. But anyway, um, God has given these gifts and he's given them by the same spirit, the same power, the same Lord. And, And pull up, I just got a list of them. I think there's 12 or nine, the next slide, I think you can pull them all up. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna talk about them for a second and then make some of you uncomfortable. Wisdom is simply insight and applying knowledge to certain situations. Knowledge is simply God's word that they remember verses like a savage. They can quote it. They can read it. They, when they start talking about the Bible, you're thinking, how did they know that verse? It's a spiritual gift. I truly think so. Faith, not Dawson. It's a gift that is trust or optimism. These type of people, no matter how many times they've been let down, they're just really optimistic. They're like, God's coming through, man. I always want to, like, discourage them. Be like, how? <laughs> I do. I'm like a realist. Like, you know that God doesn't always, like, deliver? And they're like, I think he will. <laughs> and I'm like, you've been single for a while, man. Like, uh, no, like, they're, they're really optimistic. And some of us, on a serious note, some of us need to let the faith guy just be the faith guy. Like, just let him be happy. Let him be optimistic. Let him, and, and truly, if it's a gift, let him encourage. It, it's faith. It's optimism. Working of miracles, um, or sorry, I skipped one. Gifts of healing. I guess like, wait, uh, gifts of healing. I believe this is threefold. I believe it's emotional, I believe it's spiritual, and I believe it's a physical healing. I believe that in this day, and we'll talk about it in a second, the gift of healing was a supernatural gift that could heal people. Literally. I mean, just, just heal people on the spot. 
We'll talk about that in a minute. Working of miracles, how is this different? Um, they would say in, in commentaries, and I kind of read up, uh, this was actually the ability to uh, c- uh, perform demon exorcism, that they would uh, actually, in Acts 19, when they would pull out a demon or you know, cast out these demons, that's what that truly means, working of miracles. To another, it says prophecy. Prophecy is simply the ability to speak about God and what God is going to do. In the Old Testament, prophets would declare, thus says the Lord, and it would come to fruition. In chapter 14, we'll spend a lot more time on this, but it says in Thessalonians, don't despise the prophecies among you. I had a... uh, a teacher, and I'll reference her in a little bit, but uh, I had a teacher in fifth grade at Lake Center Christian School. I was not a Christian at Lake Center, not a Christian. Um, she walked up to me in the beginning of the year and said, hey guys, uh, put her hand on my shoulder. Hey guys, Mike is going to be a pastor. And I just, ha! And I was like, no. And I think at that age, I was like, I'm going to cut meat, you know? Uh, she said, Mike's going to be a pastor. And I was like, no, I'm not. Well, the whole year, she had the entire cla- class call me Pastor Mike, the whole year. The entire year. And she said that she was prophesying over my life. She was saying, this is going to happen. Now, is that coincidence? Was that the devil? Or was it prophecy? Number eight. Number seven. Uh, ability, ability to distinguish. Uh, ability to distinguish actually uh, means in 1 John 4, 1, when it says test the spirit, someone has the gift of the, the ability to distinguish, here's when, when they can say, they'll hear a Bible teacher and they'll say, hey, I think this is off because of this verse. They can distinguish a false prophet or false teaching into a true prophet or true teaching. Various kinds of tongues Okay, in two weeks, we'll talk about the heavenly one. But tonight, we're going to talk about the known tongue, the known language. This is referring to Acts chapter 2. That there was a known language that someone would speak, that someone would speak, that they didn't know before, for the purpose of evangelism. Prime example. Say we go to Mazatlan, we all, you know, eventually we get out of this country and we head down on a missions trip. We get there and there's a uh, known, or there's a different tribe. We find a different tribe. We show up, no one knows the language, and I stand up and I just start sending it in a language I've never spoken before. And I'm speaking this language and they, people just start getting saved. That they hear the gospel and they would start getting saved. That would be the equivalent of a uh, various kinds of tongues. In Acts chapter 2, there's 13 different tongues that they break out in and speak for the sake of evangelism. It was always the purpose. Always the purpose. There's two different kinds of tongues in the Bible. There's the heavenly tongue. There's four verses off the top of my head. Not going to say them right now. But then there's a, uh, a known tongue or known language that people would speak. I had a friend who was, uh, or my professor, Papa Tom. His son was a missionary. I met him. He was in Florida. Hope used to go to her, his brother's church. He showed up at a village. There was 400 people there. He showed up to the village. And when he got there, it was like a four-day journey. Like, I mean, he's got a book on it. It's called Prophecies of White-Skinned Men. And he, it's true. He said he showed up, and he said right when he got there, he said they posted up far away from the house or from the village. There was probably 400 people. He said we posted up. He said one man moved his house right beside ours. Literally tore it apart, came over. He said, put it right beside ours. He said, everyone else didn't, wouldn't even come and communicate with us. He said, it took me two and a half years to actually have the, the, the time to communicate. And he said, why did you, why did you come and move right by us? Like he said, the re- like, what made you do that? He said, well, 
when my dad died, right before he died, he said he had a dream that there would be a white-skinned man because they didn't know any skin. All they knew was themselves. He said there'd be a white-skinned man that would come with a great message from God that we should hear. Now, that doesn't sound like the devil's doing that to me. That sounds like something God would do. That, sounds like, that doesn't sound like the devil's prowling around like a lion seeking who would get saved in a village. And he said, so seriously, think about that. Is that from God or is that from the devil? Sounds like biblically that would line up of young men will dream dreams and it draws them closer to God. Interpretation of tongues. Did I cover this? No language, a little bit I did. But here's, here's what I want to say. Um, some things, I think it's my next point, certain things should not be dismissed because they've been abused. Okay, so there's always a story, right? Everyone always gets, gets nervous talking about spiritual gifts or tongues or prophecy or interpretation. The reason we get nervous is because you've all, you've all seen something on TV where a guy is buying a jet and he's asking for an offering and he's slapping people in the head and, and then it's, you're, you're like, well, they're all, they're all like that. They're all messed up. They're all doing this. And it makes you, you put some churches in certain categories and you'll say, well, because that was abused, that must, it must all be like that. Well, just because there are some pastors who abuse the Bible, does that mean all Bible teaching is wrong? No. Does, just because some churches uh, do things really poorly and they don't preach the gospel, does that mean all churches should be dismissed? No. Now, there was, it was Tony Evans, I heard him share a story, and I think it was really good. He said he was preaching, and in the midst of him preaching, someone stood up and started speaking in tongues. I mean, just sending it. And he said, you know, I can't imitate his voice. I wish I could, because it's really good. And as only, only Tony Evans could, he's a pastor in Texas, he said, he waited for the person to finish. And he said, is there an interpreter in the building? Silence, everyone waited. And he, and he said, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that you've witnessed demonic activity. Oh, you know, everyone's like, oh my gosh. Now, do I agree with that? I don't know. Here, here's where the problem gets in play. And this is why 1 Corinthians is being written. A heavenly tongue is a private language the Bible teaches. That's what it teaches. It's in chapter 13 and 14. You can't do anything with it. There's a known tongue that is communicating the gospel for the sake of evangelism to people who are far from God. I met with a t- uh, uh, this teacher recently, and I sat down with her, and I said, hey, trying to figure out some of this stuff. I'm not trying to speak in tongues. I'm not trying to prophesy. I just know that what I've been taught from the Bible, I've always struggled with just because of an interpretation issue from the Bible, from the Bible. Certain things shouldn't be dismissed because they've been abused. And asking, what does the Bible actually teach? And when it says, in two weeks when we get to chapter 13, we'll say this, we'll ask this question. Have the gifts of the Spirit stopped? Have they ceased or are they meant for you today? Are they meant for you today? Some of you are getting really nervous right now. You're like, I don't think so. Like, what does it mean to prophesy? What, is it, what do all those things mean? When we were meeting in uh, the summer, remember we were the circus, we went to, uh, where was it? Pineview Acres. Uh, the, you know what I'm talking about, some of you. Them boys that showed up, and I was like, man, are these guys angels or whatever's going on? I was really confused. And, and when we were done, when we were done, the one guy came up to me, and he said something to me that to this day, I haven't told many people, I'm not going to tell you tonight, but what he told me was, it was so earth-shattering that I was like, who, who told you? Who told you? And he said, hey man, I just want to let you know God wants me to tell you this. 
And I would like sat down in my chair. I'm like, like I was like, I mean, I was smoked. It, and I was thinking, is, is that from God? It had to be. It lined up with his word. It lined up with what I was praying for. And it lined up with everything. It wasn't from the devil. It was from God. And even people who would say they speak in a heavenly tongue, it's a private language they would say, heavenly tongue they speak to, they would say it always brings them back to scripture. And if that's where you're at, that's what you do. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I've never spoken in tongues. I'm not trying to, but I'm just saying that's what they have told me. I want to read this quote, and this is kind of lengthy, but I think it's, it's necessary. And this is just something to consider. So if you're new here tonight, I'm sorry, this is like super Bible nerd time. The sign, gift, sign gifts, miracles, healings, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Sorry. These four sign gifts had a unique purpose given to the apostles to let people know that these men spoke from God. But once the word of God was inscripted and given, these sign gifts were no longer needed. That we don't need them because they would say, you don't need to prophesy anymore because we have the Bible. This is what is typically said. The assumption in this argument is that the gifts of healing uh, and the working of miracles was only to Jesus and the apostles, including uh, Stephen, Barnabas, and Philip. These were not gifts given to ordinary Christians. This is what's typically taught. When you read first 1 Corinthians 12, what we just read, you get the impression that these gifts are given according to God's will to various people in the church. It does not seem to be a natural reading of these verses to say that they are meant for, that, they, that it is meant for no one in Corinth. And he says this, the healing or the working of miracles by only Jesus and the apostles. If the only thing that set apart the apostles as, as authoritative was signs and wonders, then false prophets could do the same with the authority because Jesus and Paul tell us both false prophets will do signs and wonders and lead people astray. Matthew 24, 2 Thessalonians 2. I want to end with this, almost done. The second thing to say is this. If God gives you gifts of healing, it does not mean that you can heal at will or that everyone you pray for will be healed. Isn't it interesting that the literal phrase in verse 9 is not gift of healing, but gifts of healings. Paul could not heal himself. And so here's what I want to say about this. uh, When we're talking about gifts of healings or working of miracles, Jesus has the gift of healing. No individual. And even if someone has the gift of healing, it does not mean that they can heal on demand whenever they want and however, the, however they want. The person who had probably the second strongest gift of healing, the Apostle Paul, could not heal himself. Literally said, this thorn was given to me in the flesh. But the question is this, does God heal? That's a question. Does God heal? Yes. He heals all the time. I mean, it is, I mean, he is the great, what, physician. He heals. So when we talk about this in the next couple weeks, I think 14 is going to be the kicker for me. And I'll I'll be honest with you. Um, I stand right in the middle on all this. I'm kind of like trying to figure it out. So I'm not one of those Bible teachers that's like, I read the MacArthur Study Bible and this is what I believe. Uh, I'm kind of like, hey, I've always been taught this and I've struggled with it, but I don't want to abuse something or I don't want to not believe something because it's been abused. I want to believe what the Bible teaches. I want to stick with the Bible. And if it puts me in a weird spot, I got to figure it out. So some of us, if you're going to keep coming, you're going to get to be the guinea pig of me trying to figure this out. And hopefully after four weeks, I will figure it out. And that's the plan. But anyway, uh, let's wrap this up in verse uh, 13 or 12 and 13. Um, If you pulled up for me, Jonathan. Nope. Next one. (laughs) Number four, how to be baptized in the spirit. Yeah. Um, 
For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body through many, or though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. In two weeks, we'll talk about how we all have many members and and what part we play. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slave and free, and all were made to drink from one of one spirit. Here's what Paul is pushing. Stop having camps. You shouldn't have 19 First Baptist Church of you know what. You shouldn't have 19 uh, Reformed Baptist Church of you know or Bible churches or faith churches or whatever. He said, you're all one body. That he said there shouldn't be division, which is what he's addressing. And when you trust Christ, when you put your faith in Jesus, I can't hold any other view besides that's when you get baptized in the Spirit. Because I I believe that's what it's saying. We are all baptized into one body for one spirit. And when you are physically baptized, in a couple weeks, we're going to do a baptism on Easter morning. We've got 12 people. We're celebrating their decision to accept Christ and baptize them, which I am amped. When we baptize them, we dunk them down in the water, bring them back up as a symbol. And if you want baptized in the spirit, make sure that you've accepted Christ. That the baptism of the Spirit, I think this is something that can get hairy and tricky for a lot of people. You're seeking for a baptism of the Spirit in some circles or some Pentecostal circles when really it's, hey, when you accept Christ, you got baptized in the Spirit. Right when you got saved because the Spirit of God came into your life, Romans 8, 9, that if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't have Christ. And if you have Christ, you have the Spirit. So to wrap this up, uh, the last two questions, if you pull them up for me. What was Paul saying and why? What was he saying? You got this uber gifted team. They're, they're, they're super talented, but they don't work well together. They're, they're fighting over who's got what. They're arguing over spiritual gifts. They're arguing over who's more talented. Some people aren't doing things. A lot of people are just going to a different God, different God, to find out what their spiritual gift is. And you and I do the same thing, but we don't go to idols. We don't have like an idol fixed up, but we'll go to something else to give us fulfillment and to find what our gift is. And lastly, if you'd pull it up for me, what should we do and why? I think instead of what we're, not go- what we're not going to do, I'll tell you right now what we're not doing. We're not going to argue about tongues. We're not going to argue about prophecy. We're not going to argue about healing. I'll answer as many questions as I can. But what we're going to try and do, and what I'm going to keep pushing you to do, is to not just be a spectator but a participant. That you would think, what can I do for God? And here is what is sweet about the idea of spiritual gifts. Do you know how invested Jesus is on your life? Just think about how invested he is. The fact, if you think of your own story, just think of your own story. How invested has he been? Him dying on the cross for you, him sealing the Holy Spirit in your life in Ephesians 1, him bringing the gospel to you. It sounds to me like God is extremely invested Like he's not going anywhere and he's like, hey, I'm here to stay. And you got all the time in the world to figure out, to figure out what your spiritual gift is. And that's what we're here to do. And the last slide, if you pulled up for me, Jonathan, spiritual gifts are about connecting with God and helping others to do the same. Whatever, however God has gifted you, whatever he's placed in your heart, whatever passion he's given you, it is so you would connect with God and help others to do the same. If it's about anything else, it's probably in the wrong place. 
If the spiritual gift is about me showing up or you showing up or doing something here, if it's about anything else than connecting with God and helping others to do the same, we've totally missed it. I think that, I think that is what Paul was trying to do. Let me pray. You guys can stand as we pray. Um, We'll sing a few more songs. Lord, I am reminded where it says in Acts how Paul was stressing that it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. God, that as we seek to have our lives maybe poured out for you, would you, would you help those here, here tonight who maybe they don't know what their spiritual gift is, but it's about time they figure it out. Or maybe for some, they've never even heard of this idea and they just need to start serving somewhere and doing something. God, would you give them courage? I know a lot of us are, are probably really insecure about the gift that we think we don't have or do have and if it's not really good or I'm not really talented or I don't have that gift and we just kind of compare. I pray that we would realize how, how that's from the devil and that's just a lie. And God, even as we sing here in a little bit, the fact that you give gifts to us is just incredible. It's so bizarre. You didn't have to, you wanted to. You don't need to use us but you choose to. And so God, maybe just for, for us tonight, as we sing, would we realize, man, Jesus seems very invested in my life. I mean, he's been so faithful. He doesn't go anywhere. He just stays right with me. And God, would you help myself? Would you help others in this room not to resent what you've done in us? Not, to, not to, to wish that we had someone else's gift or someone else's platform or someone else's power, whatever it is, God, but we would, we would find it worthy to serve you. As, as, it, as Jesus said in Luke 17, it's, it's only, our, only our duty. We're just serving him. It's just our duty. We're unworthy servants. It's just our job. God, would you, would you help us to do that? In Jesus' name.